Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open World. Here today with us, we have James Michael. James is former localization director at Capcom and current production manager at Games. Hi, James. How are you? Welcome. So nice to have you today here. Howdy. Yeah, it's nice to see you guys. Um, I know it's a little bit late in the evening for me, but I'm still going strong, so pretty good. Yeah, well, you like to share with the audience where you're based, because we know, of course, but many of them don't know, (laughs) and (laughs) it would be nice to to know uh, that. Yeah, Um, I'm currently based in Osaka, Japan. So I think it's like the third or the fourth largest city in Japan right now. It's a pretty big place, but not Tokyo by any stretch. Um, but a lot of major game companies are here, like Psy Games and Capcom. Um, so, yeah. Well, we it's a nice place to be. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you been okonomiyaki there? Beer. Um, I started work at Capcom about... <laughs> three and a half ish four years ago um so i've been in osaka for about four i i've kind of ping pong balled across between america and japan a few times now so a world uh traveler i love that (laughs) so we would love to to get to know you more because i know you have a very interesting career in video games so um, well, first of all, how, how did you start? How did you get into games? Because I know that you started mm-hmm. back then uh, in mobile games, but how did it look that back then? Yeah, so um, my, my actually my very first job in Japan, just trying to get my foot in the door and learning the language at that point, um, was with JET, which is Japan Exchange and Teaching. And so I was an English teacher mm-hmm. in uh, Shiga, for a few years and one of my friends there started to work as a 3d cg kind of like a production manager um Uh and so i was lucky enough to get a job with him uh as kind of a biz dev slash interpreter um for that company and that's when i started to get to know people in the industry a little bit um we did a lot of work for places like sega and bandai namco um mostly actually on the pachinko slots side of things making like 3d animations and models for them but um they also gave us some idol master work to do and so we worked on the ps3 game for them um and that was kind of like my first taste of working in video games i always knew that i wanted to it's just trying to get your foot in the door is is kind of an awkward first step sometimes (laughs) but that's like a constant i mean with all Mm -hmm. of our guests um i believe that if one thing that puts everything together it's like you have to start somewhere right you have to put your foot on the door how you how you just like you said. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like knowing one person or meeting a couple of people and then you talk to them a little later and then they were like, well, I know a guy and then they kind of connect you and it all slowly falls into place. So I was, I was lucky though. <laughs> yeah, and well, that's why, why we, we appreciate you and all of our guests being uh, with us and sharing their stories because there's not like one single path that you can take there are so many mm-hmm. different roads uh, that can lead you into gaming so thanks for for sharing your story with us yeah for and sure. 
how did you make the jump to actually becoming a localizer, James? Uh, how did that, uh, you got your foot in the door, you went through the window, whatever you might call it. <laughs> how did those jumps continue? You're sneaking in through the basement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's another one, yeah. I So obviously I worked in mobile for a little while um, for a couple of different companies. And it was more of like a designer role and actually it was okay. a lot of math. Um, <laughs> I really oh, don't ouch. like math. Not, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I mean, no. we're, we're into was, uh, languages, right? <laughs> yeah, a little, little different. Um, it was like managing probability tables for different like gotcha distribution stuff. It was, it was a lot. But um, I started to work on translation while I was a designer at uh, one company called Gloops. And it was more for like speaking to English speaking football teams or soccer teams uh -huh. um, since I worked on a, a soccer game. Um, and <clears throat> in that, I started to really like more translation work. And I kind of thought, OK, well, maybe I can try to make this my career. You know, I don't want to get stuck managing Excel sheets for the next five, 10 years. Um, which is kind of ironic since I work mostly in Excel sheets now, but. But not with numbers, I, at least. <laughs> no, not with numbers. Um, but I had the kind of, I guess it was a very lucky opportunity for me because I started to reach out to a bunch of different you know, major game companies like, hey, you have a localization apartment. Do you need any Japanese to English translators? I'm a writer. Here's some stuff that I've done in mobile. Um, and a lot of it was no-shows. Um, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, we're not looking for people right now. And you know, they replied about it. Um, but one man, um, Scott Ritchie, was in Tokyo uh, at the same time that I was. And I think he was maybe just visiting Nintendo Japan on a trip that time. And so he said, OK, I have some extra time. Just like stop by my hotel um, and we can chat. And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll be right there. And it was like kind of on the other side of Tokyo. So I really ran over to the train and got on there. Um, <laughs> yes, sure, I'll be right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, at least you were in like the same one city, stop right? away. <laughs> <laughs> one stop away. I'll be there in 50 minutes. But um, yeah, it's he actually like invited me up into his hotel room, which we both agreed was super awkward later. <laughs> <laughs> you came clean about it, right? Yeah, that was awkward. No, yeah, he's, he's a super nice guy. You don't think of it that way, but uh, we we chatted for a while, and like I had done some legal uh, testing. Like I took my LSAT, and I was applying or thinking of applying for law school in Japan at the time, and he had done that whole route himself, and so we kind of talked about that. He was like, oh, yeah, I realized that really wasn't for me. I wanted to just work in games. And I was like, yes, I feel you. And so he was like, OK, well, put in an application and maybe it won't be full time. Maybe you have like a contract position for you, but we'll see. And like, are you up to moving? I was like, yeah, sure. Of course, it's Nintendo. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I got a contract position at, at NOA, and uh, he said, you know, maybe there's a chance for full time later. And then I packed my bags and I moved to Seattle. And that was it. Yeah. No, and, that's a story. Yeah, and I'm curious, I mean, um, is there anything in particular that you would like to recommend for people that are just starting their careers in mm. localization? Um, there's 
so what what I always there's the obvious stuff first, which is like you know network, get to know people. Even if they aren't your boss now, they could be your boss later. If they know your name and your application comes up in the pile, they go, oh wait, okay, maybe I should look at this person a little more closely. And like that's always great. Um, I like to suggest to people to work on their creative writing as well. Like translation is really important, but um, and I can I can talk a little bit about Nintendo, not too much later on, but like. The translation is obviously the first step, but then you look at what you've produced and then you go, okay, is this good writing? How can I improve this just from a writing standpoint so people in that native language can read it and enjoy it? And that part is what a lot of people who study language like as a foreign language don't practice as much. And so, yeah, I'd like to say write stuff, write a lot of stuff, write a lot of bad stuff and it gets better. <laughs> That's probably the first thing. That's a great advice there. And also, I would advice. add that reading a lot also helps. Um, yes. Find uh, an interesting genre that you like and stick to it and try to reproduce yes. that, right? Like, I live in a tiny apartment here in Japan, and it's I can't have a whole ton of books. So this, this, this little oh, thing yeah, has saved really me so much. All of my fantasy books that I used to have in hardback as a kid are now on this thing, and I can read them and reread them and, and find new authors and whatnot. But reading all the time is, is wonderful. And are, is there anything that you're reading right now that you would like to recommend? I am a gigantic <laughs> Brandon Sanderson fanboy. Um, and so anything that he's put out is just wonderful writing, no matter what the character or setting it is. Um, but, oh gosh, I forget the name, but it's one of his newer, younger adult, young adult fiction. Um, uh, and of course, everything I'm typing is in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, Skyward is the name of the book. Um, but it's super, super good sci-fi, uh, young adult fiction, and it's really well written. And I wish it didn't end so fast. It, en it ends fast. Get back to it. <laughs> yeah, it ends well, fast, I mean, or you just eat it up. Because I finished can... it in a day, but like it's it's a little bit short, but it's a young adult novel. You know, they're meant to be mm -hmm. a little bit more yeah. bite-sized, but it is really good. And James, well. You're a gamer, uh, and you, you knew that this question was coming. You, you know, you, you already <laughs> saw it when we first when we first started. But what it. would you say <laughs> that is your all-time favorite game? Okay, I I I'm I'm gonna cheat, and I'm gonna say that there's two at least that I can think of right now. Okay, um, fair enough but for slightly different reasons. And one of them is a little bit more, I guess, normal, but... Elaborate, um, please. <laughs> so my first favorite game was a game that I played as a kid called Breath of Fire 3. Uh -huh. um, JRPG Great by game. Capcom, and it's JRPG, kind of why yeah. I applied. But um, that was probably the first story-based game that really like sucked me in as a kid. It was 16-bit graphics, so it was just moving away from pixels, and it was all gorgeous kind of hand-drawn characters, and the animation was beautiful. But like the very beginning of the game, you start off, and you're on a train, and you wake up, and you're like this little baby dragon. 
and you think that that's your main character and you go around and you actually like murder a bunch of innocent villagers because you're scared and you don't know what's going on and you're just this little baby dragon who's gotten out and they're treating you like a monster and starting off like that as a 13 year old boy playing this game was mind-blowing to me just like to suck me into that world and right. from then on the rest of the game the systems and all of that are wonderful so that's obviously like that's a pretty solid first in my book that's but... a great yeah okay <laughs> but <laughs> and maybe a... why but yeah <laughs> and and is a better word i like and um my second favorite game is probably final fantasy 11 yeah um <laughs> I think I, I owe it to that game to wanting to major in Japanese in the first place. Oh, look at um, that. And the whole reason being was in that game, obviously it's an online, it's an MMORPG. Mm -hmm. And yep. the servers were shared with Japanese servers. And so I got to interact with Japanese people playing the game. And they had this awesome feature that I hadn't seen in any other game at the time, which was an auto-translate function and so you could type a couple of keywords hit tab and it would pull up a related terms list in your chat bar of all these phrases and they'd be in english if your client was in english or french or german or japanese and then it would apply whatever that client language is in the other person's chat box and so i could actually talk to all these japanese players in their own language and then they talk back to me not everything was there, so you'd see the Japanese around the sides of all these terms, and that was just right. so cool to see that working. And so then I became a huge Japanophile, and I studied Japanese. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that game took like a good six years of my life away. It's a great story. <laughs> now, MMORPGs are a great way of learning mm -hmm. languages, making friends. Yeah. I mean, one of the games that I actually used to learn English growing up was yeah. one that I don't know if it's around anymore. Um, it, it, it was an MMORPG. I think it's from Korea. It's Fly for Fun, the game. Sure, sure. And Cliff, yeah, yeah. Cliff, yeah. Well, I used to have a build poster. I used to like <laughs> go around with my big knuckle punching everything. And sure. I made friends from so many different places. And it was all in English. Right? But it was people were my peers right my own age wanting to beat the clockworks you know when <laughs> they wanted to do yeah, the yeah, same yeah. things and yeah mmorpgs to learn uh, another language uh, it's amazing and i don't know if the servers from final fantasy 11 are still up because final fantasy 14 is breaking the internet right now uh, by the time oh, that we're recording this question I was surprised, but they actually are. The game is almost in its 20th anniversary. I'm old. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, That's uh, incredible. Yeah. It, 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 it's an amazing game, for sure. So thank you for those stories, James. Sure. You are very welcome to cheat anytime when you have those stories. <laughs> I mean, two favorite games, they're okay. They're fun. I, mean, I have like a mm -hmm. thousand favorite games, but those are the two that really popped up first. Well, um, I know you, you've worked in, in one of my favorite games ever and favorite game sagas of all times, which is Resident Evil. Sure. <laughs> so I have a very, very, very serious question here. 
how do you pronounce Dimitrescu? <laughs> no, joking. <laughs> joking. <laughs> so I'm happy that I don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> I know. Yeah, don't I... try to look James up on Twitter, guys. You won't find him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to not have any social media. <laughs> no, but for real, but... How, how did it feel to be working as such a huge franchise? So... At first, it was daunting, because I am not a huge horror game player. It's not really in my wheelhouse. And so to have been given mm. like the opportunity and the responsibility to take on the next big number in the Resident Evil series was... It made me a little nervous at first, to say the least. I started I to go back and like watch Let's Plays of Resident Evil 2 and, and, and make sure that I understand the ethos and pathos of the game and all that. Um, but, and at Capcom, like the localization director, they're in the dev team. Like we sit on the same floor with all the devs and we work from start to finish, day in, day out with them. And so, that's amazing. It, yeah, it, it became in a good way, like I'm just making another good game. I'm making another great game with everybody. Um, so I didn't worry too much about it. Obviously, we had a great director. Um, Tato-san was, he worked on Seven as well. And um, he pretty much knew how he wanted to take Eight in the direction, you know, following Seven. And, and you were able to talk out points with him and all of that. Um, but... Yeah, I just kind of, I got used to it over time. It took about a year to really settle down. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it took three from start to finish, but. Wow, that's incredible. And I love that <clears throat> they they include you as part of the team. You feel part yeah. of the, the, the team that's making a great game. That sometimes that's... Um, not the the case of many uh, people that, is, that are into localization or that are just starting that they just don't feel part of the whole process, just like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's very important, at least for me, to to be included yeah. in the whole process. Definitely, like I've I've been a part of projects where it's a little more removed or a lot more removed from from development, and you feel like, okay, I'm getting this text, but why am I getting this text, good sir? Right. <laughs> but <laughs> exactly, context, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Resident Evil Village team was really nice because I could just like run over to them or even just message them on on you know the in company chat and say, hey. What the heck is this barrel doing here? Like, why? <laughs> and they would tell me, and they were like, no, no, like, levels design change. This is why. Okay, well, we need to change this book because it doesn't make And, yeah, working all of that out with the team was really nice. Yeah, you become an extra part of the dev team, not just mm -hmm. something that happens, okay, we finished this. Go ahead, localize it into a bunch of different languages. Yeah. And after um, you finish it. Yeah, so... yeah. We, we always like to to think like like we love to work in teams, and we don't like to think localization as an island. And we always recommend uh, translators to get involved and to fully understand the whole development process. Uh, to to fully understand what the needs are from the development team or the game designers, even. Yeah. yeah. 
Gonna so one one kind of interesting thing, and stop me if I'm going on a tangent. Oh, please. Um, no, please. That's why you're here to tell us interesting <laughs> things. By the way, I know. I'm gonna try to keep everything safe, but in um, one kind of interesting thing about at least village from my experience was that a lot of the creative work is done base English. Um. And so that's very interesting to know. Yeah, like a lot of the scripts and cutscenes are written in English while being explained in Japanese to the dev team. And so, <laughs> yeah, and then they get translated into Japanese and then reviewed, and then they get translated back into English, and then the original and the final English is kind of meshed together to make sense. And yeah, there's a little bit of a process that goes on there but that was really interesting that's incredible you make sure that you don't lose anything in translation right like yes that as much as humanly is... possible <laughs> there are a <laughs> lot of review rounds <laughs> that's very thorough right like like you end up with a very precise communication uh, mm -hmm. in yeah. spite of what you're saying right like you had like a couple of process in between of the communication but mm -hmm. in order to make sure that you get everything right Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's very in, interesting. Iterating the crud out of everything. And if you can have five review rounds in your schedule, put in six. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that's food for thought for everyone watching. Uh, you cannot be too sure about the communication. Communication is Oh, never. <laughs> iterate uh, and iterate and iterate once more. <laughs> Just in case. James, sure. I, I want to know something that... We talked about actually, but you just gave me like a little heads up. Um, but I know that you did or you not you didn't did the mocap, but you worked and you witnessed right like many mocap sessions mm -hmm. throughout the, the Resident Evil Village. How yeah, does yeah. that look like? What cool stories can you share with our with our with our audience about that? Because we've all seen like mm -hmm. these videos of like. Lady Dimitrescu like smashing everything uh, right, after right, speaking right. to to Miss Miranda and everything. But what can you tell us about those days? I wish I got to wear the suit. Um, <laughs> Ocap was really fun, and that was actually a big part of my job that I was surprised to have done. Um, but going to LA and working with a mocap studio there, um, obviously the dev team would come as well. And so my job there would be in part interpreting, but also working with like the cinematic director, teaching all of the actors, the characters' backstories, because really the only one who had knew who was who in English was me. And so kind of helping people oh. understand the minds of the characters to get them into character so that they can then act the right way. And then if something goes wrong and, you know, like the lead um, event team lead or the cinematic director for the Japanese side was like kind of <clears throat> the end of a shot. And then I would run over to him and be like, OK, what's wrong? What do you think is better? And right. kind of try to work out the issue from there. Um, one of the the inter one of the interesting things is how they kind of jimmy rig all sorts of solutions to figure out 
the different sizes of characters. And I know that the um, they released a video about mocap, or Capcom did, um, that kind of went into that a little bit. Um, but one of my favorite ones was that they made a totem pole. Mm-hmm. Because um, Dumitrask obviously is very tall, and the, mm-hmm. the actress Maggie is quite a tall person. I think she's six feet. Um, but not quite as tall as Dumitrask. And so right. no matter what, um, Todd, who is Ethan in the game, he was our cameraman because it's all first person. And no matter what he tried to do, his eye line would be a little bit low. So it would be like looking right about right about here when it really should be up here. Right. And so if you get that right, they drew like a little angry face on some cardboard, slapped it on a huge PVC pole, and they would like walk around behind Maggie holding up like, this is where your face is, <laughs> and, and have him kind of look up further. Um, that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, just working with all of those dimensions and seeing those guys who are like kind of DIY wizards figure it out was really fun. And that, that, how how long does a process like that um, take? I mean, um, oh many people don't have a, a clear idea of how long it yeah, yeah. can take. I I can't speak for everything because obviously, like a tricky shot may require mm-hmm. multiple days because it has stunts that need to be done separately or it has exactly. like they call it water work which is anything where actors might get wet is a whole different kit and caboodle but um at least for a game like village um you could look at anywhere between like two weeks to one full month of shoots um, so that's every day, all the actors, usually they split it up like one or two weeks at a time, and then they'll get all that data and, and ship it back and pull right. it, put it in the game, and then they'll do the next set and schedule. So maybe up to a month worth of shoots over the course of half of a year, <clears throat> I'd say. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's a long process back and forth, right? For sure. And during all of that, the script changes, you know, 80, 11 times and <laughs> stuff gets, you know, axed when it, it, it have been reinstated later and, and all the puzzle pieces have to be, you know, fit in just the right way. And so a lot of stuff kind of gets redone or thrown out or people dig through it again. But um, uh, I think it took about a year all said and done yeah. to get all of that wrapped up. Wow. It's so cool and... that you're sorry for. No, yeah, go ahead. No, that it's so cool that I mean your name, right? That your position name, localization director, but you were kind of like an actual movie director, right? Like being You've been in cinematics, uh casting, right? uh voiceover and so I won't take all the credit for that because that would be unfair. <laughs> I worked with a wonderful man, his name is Steve, French guy. Um and he was the cinematic Hi, director. <laughs> Thank Hi, you Steve. for everything. Thank you for what you did, man. He's like, he's wonderful. But um, he was like the movie director, art side, get all the angles. No, I need more emotion. I need less emotion. Like all of that was on him. And then for me, it was making sure that that made sense to Japan and also worked for them. And then like right. kind of being their will or let's say their power of attorney, so to speak. 
a cool AI you, sound. You make it sound cool so easy. <laughs> it's yeah, not. I just did I, this. I was not perfect. <laughs> I, like... I was definitely not perfect at this. But like we got into a rhythm after about half of it was done. <laughs> Yeah, and we started to work job. much, much easier together. Yeah. The workflow exactly smoother. And Thank you for, for that. For how long did you play the game? I mean, I know you mentioned it's not your favorite genre, but mm -hmm. uh, did you get to play it and enjoy it at one point? <laughs> so, okay. So for Village, I played the final build of it multiple times. Not just for QA, but just like in my free time. Mm -hmm. um, and Village was a game I could play from start to finish. That was cool. I had a lot of fun. Um, where I had trouble was... <laughs> where I had trouble was playing RE7. Because I really <gasps> wanted to play it from start to finish. I'm here. <laughs> I'm a giant scaredy cat. And so I got about as far as to when you switch to Mia and you have no weapons and you have to deal with the mom in the house. And then I said, <gasps> okay, I'm not progressing any further than this. And I watched a Let's Play for the rest of it. I still feel <laughs> bad about that. But, but yeah. that family, yeah, that family that and, and that intensity of, of, of feeling, you weren't, you couldn't relax anywhere in that house. No. no. <laughs> Every Anywhere. single corner was going to explode with some sort of angry person with a pitchfork or a shovel or just very strong arms that'll reach out and kill you or bugs. It's like Nemesis in Resident Evil 3 amplified with Lucas, with the mom, with the dad, even with the grandma. Dad. I mean, <laughs> yes. everyone. I mean, it's just perfect. And I, I, I particularly <laughs> love it. I the, the thing is, for me, I had to get together with sister to play it every time i couldn't play it alone sure, <laughs> otherwise sure. i would get so scared yeah it's it's definitely like for me Emotional it's definitely support. a lights on 2 p.m kind of game oh yeah right? absolutely <laughs> yeah. and floor we have cats and you know how cats are they like to oh, make noises random noises you know yeah, especially floor's cats like sunny day kind of game oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, all right. Um, I think it's time to get to the memes. <laughs> hey, that's an attitude. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Like, uh, it's uh, for me, it's like the this is Sparta meme sometimes, <laughs> but it's the same feel. <laughs> and so, just as a small point as to why I picked this, I really like Warhammer. I like the universe. I think it's really fun and over the top and ridiculous, um, especially 40k. But yeah, this is a mood. Um, I thought that you were going to mention it as you're one of your favorite games, <laughs> honestly. It's one of my favorite universes. I love reading the books, actually. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of the Warhammer 40k books. Um, the KFS Kane series is super fun. Um, yeah, we highly recommend it. But, yeah, so lots of bad things happen, or lots of twists happen, especially in localization. Um, games mm -hmm. are changing constantly, especially when you're the last thing that happens in development. You get to deal with the trickle-down of everything, and so you just sometimes have to power through it. Um, we may or may not have I've... written a script the day of the shoot, you know? <laughs> 
So what? when yeah, life gives you lemons. Exactly. And nobody exactly. else at the end of the day, right? Like you have an amazing product and yeah. that's what gamers uh, see and that's what you want them to see. Exactly. Uh, but it can be uh, challenging at times, I, for sure. Like, especially some of my old bosses at Nintendo would say like the best localization is when no one comments on it at all. Right. They just comment on the game. That's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. perfect. Yeah. Seamless. <laughs> no coffee yes. no nothing for me <laughs> no nothing yes like it's, it's a, a little rinky dink thing but i have my espresso maker in the background and i, I saw your nespresso i will make my little espressos in 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 my, my little delonghi pretty much all day <laughs> i love coffee do you have your big mug right there floor you have to show your yeah big mug. here <laughs> sometimes well now i'm drinking tea right now because i already have my uh coffee my, earlier my today mug. you can't really see it but technically this is mario it's a oh. super like low-key nintendo mug uh, oh that's oh, so no. cool I'm that mug now. like yeah, very professional and sleek exactly still, this is like the, the office workers <laughs> nintendo swag but right i love it well I'm a mate guy here, guys. Sorry about that. I'm Argentinian. I drink oh, my please. mate. Don't. There's no need to be sorry. Huh? You're Absolutely. Argentinian. I love Have coffee. You tried mate? I had it when I was in Seattle a few times, but I don't know if it's the real deal or not, and it's usually mm. cold. So, uh, maybe you oh, wow. drank terere. That it's usually yeah, like yeah. There's a, a cold version, uh, version. when it's hot or during summertime sure. we drink it like it an iced tea okay. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna look up on on amazon or someplace uh, to see if you if i can hook you up with yeah that. we might yeah. find you <laughs> one if I, you're I live, truly interested <laughs> yeah i live not too far from a place called uji which is like the matcha oh yeah matcha capital of japan so mm -hmm. maybe i can i can grab some matcha there and send it to y'all Oh, that would be great so nice. too. I love matcha. Yeah, he's a big fan. Yeah. Yep, um, I am. They mix it in beer. Oh wow! It's actually I never really, heard it's actually that. really interesting. Yeah, super high grade fine matcha, and you pour you pour it in a little bit of beer, and you stir it up, and then you pour the rest of the beer, and it's like dark green, but it actually tastes really good. Wow, I need I'm gonna to have to that. try this tonight. I have some matcha powder here at home. I'm gonna have to <laughs> to, to see which beer would be best. Yeah, light beers are good. Nice, thank I you. I have for to that. try that. <laughs> yeah. And this and one. Fans. <laughs> yes. That this was... Both yes. are real. Both are real. Both are valid. They're totally yeah. cool. I had to learn both of them when I started to work on Village, pretty much, because you have really hardcore Resident Evil fans, and then you have people who are just like, this game looks awesome, and they want to just play and have fun. And it was kind of trying to find a nice balance between the two. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, Resident Evil always has like a really special quality of campiness about it. Okay. That they've yeah. kept through the whole series that I think people really like, and so we we I tried to keep that alive at least, and hopefully not 
make anyone hate me on either side of this spectrum. <laughs> well, I um, think that you did I'm a very really good happy job. Happy fine over here, so you did an excellent job. <laughs> if you ask me, <laughs> but I'm yeah, very biased. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yes. this one. Right, this is a classic meme. Um, this is a classic. A mood, yeah. like my whole mood during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the pandemic changed a lot, especially for localization. Um, mm -hmm. At least, especially for like the motion capture side of things, because oh, yeah. there was a lot of work that happened remotely as well, and figuring out how to get cameras in the right spot and all of that, and you know, making sure everybody is is cool with what's coming out of the, out of the pipe is is it was intense, but it worked out. And it kind of proved that you could do things remotely if you had to. So yeah, this is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe we, all of us, grew tremendously during this whole once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-century situation. And I believe we've come out, and we will come out better. And especially uh, if you're in games, like we, this industry grew tremendously, and we found different ways to uh, continue uh, mm -hmm. producing incredible games and in high quality and deliver to gamers for them to to enjoy uh, the products. Yeah. So it's unbelievable. Yeah. I probably would couldn't put it as eloquently as you just did. Oh, um, <laughs> but it's been awesome to see how many people have decided, all right, I'm going to make games now. All right, mm -hmm. I want to get into translation. This yeah. is great. I can do it from my house. I can be safe, and I can still do what I love and want and uh -huh. like, not just give up on everything. And so that's been really, really cool to see firsthand. Totally. Yeah, especially when applying to your dream job i mean it doesn't matter anymore where you're based or well sometimes it does depending on the, the it's company moving there. But, it's moving there yeah and it's i see I more and more companies thing. like talking with producers and hr people and they're starting to to really shift even the big guys mm -hmm. are okay maybe yeah. remote's okay so <laughs> that's great <laughs> Okay, these ones are from our production team. Just oh, yes. Up, Thank James. you, Lara. We have some <laughs> for you, too. <laughs> Those oh, poor man. NPCs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's the same um, NPC that has to buy a billion rat tails from everybody in the starting zone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no one thinks about those poor NPCs. You buy like two apples and then you sell something to them. Poor guy. And, and usually in their text, there's always at least something witty in there because they have yeah. to write something witty or you'll just go nuts translating these, you know, tens of thousands of lines of NPC text. So I, I, I hope that people read them sometimes. That would be cool. <laughs> we do. We do. We do, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Now, I can relate to all of this, but if there's one thing that it's it's almost real for me, it's a Silent Hill one. I live in oh, on yeah. a 14th floor and 
it gets foggy in Buenos Aires up here. Oh, and man. there are many, many mornings when where I wake up and crap. Yeah, I'm, you I'm, don't I'm, I'm in Silent Hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like covers. yeah, I mean and if, <laughs> if a radio starts like <laughs> going with interference, <laughs> I, I'm screwed. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> It was so much fun. Too cool. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Thank you well, so much. Michael, yes. thank you. Oh, my, James, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. My full name is actually kind of long and annoying to say, so I like keeping it just James. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, James. Um, I really, I, I personally really appreciate what you've done uh, in the Resident Evil franchise for the Resident Evil franchise. I Thank you so much for you and your colleagues. And thanks for, for sharing your story. And like we said, it's very, we believe it's super important for people to know uh, that there are different ways into the video game industry and into localization. So thanks for sharing your story this time. For sure. Like, I took the long way around. There might be shorter ways, but it's definitely a possibility. So I, I think no matter where you are, there's kind of a, an, an entryway into the games, Mark. Yeah. It's so it's nice horrible. to have you, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. See you in, in our next episode. Thank Take you, care. everyone.